assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which, saith he, you have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days hence. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power, but you shall receive power. After that the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, You men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the Mount called Olivet, which is about Sabbath day's journey from Jerusalem. Welcome to the Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study. Our teacher is Dr. John G. Mitchell, a man who was faithful in teaching the Word of God for more than 60 years throughout the Northwest. The name of our study, The Unchanging Word, highlights the fact that God's Word has not changed. What God reveals in His written Word was true in the past, is still true today, and will be true tomorrow. As you listen, you can expect the Word of the Living God to encourage, challenge, and comfort you. We live in difficult times, but we can expect our God to provide answers to the big questions in your life through His Word. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. In the book of Acts, we are in chapter 1, verse 9. Well, after the Lord had given instructions to His disciples, He ascends in a cloud as the disciples were looking on, and He disappeared into the cloud. And as Luke tells us, two men stood by them, asking them why they were looking into heaven. Now these two men in white robes were angels, and they knew something about Jesus and his second coming as well. And these were the words they said, This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven, he shall come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. It's noteworthy that God's messengers always point people to Jesus. Dr. Mitchell now speaks to us of our Lord's ministry to us in heaven from whence he sent the Holy Spirit as he said he would. Well, let's listen to Dr. Mitchell as he speaks of our exalted Christ in Acts chapter 1, verse 9 on the Unchanging Word, Bible broadcast. Today, friends, again we come to you and we have started a new series of studies in the book of Acts. Uh, considered by many a very difficult book to understand and yet one that is full of blessing, one of joy as we see the power of the Spirit of God 
manifested through his disciples as they sought to exalt the person of our wonderful Savior. I would like to read from the book of Acts, chapter 1, reading from verse 4. Now, in our preceding lessons, we've been taking up the fact that the purpose of the book of Acts was to give to us the history of the acts of the Spirit of God through his people, through the church. It was to reveal the work of Christ through the church. And we find as we read through the book of Acts, we find the Lord walk, walking with them, working through them, empowering them by his Spirit. And the great theme of the book of Acts, as you know, is the church witnessing for the Savior, especially concerning the resurrection of our Savior. The great theme of the early church was not only the death of Christ, but the resurrection of Christ. And you have it here in this book, starting from Jerusalem, which was the center of Judaism, to Rome, which was, shall I say, the center of heathendom, of paganism. And two men stand out in the book, the Apostle Peter in the first 12 chapters, and his ministry is to the Jews. And then you have the Apostle Paul, who was the minister to the Gentiles, verses 13 to 28. And may I again remind you that in Galatians uh, chapter 2, we read that the one, the Spirit of God, who was mighty in Peter to the circumcision, that is, to the Jews, was also mighty in Paul to the Gentiles. Now Luke ends with the resurrection and exaltation of our Savior. The book of Acts starts with the risen, ascended Lord. And there, there was no question, as far as the minds of the disciples were concerned, there was no question that our Lord was raised from the dead and ascended to God's right hand to be a prince and a savior. I'd like to read our Lord's final words to pick up the connection from our last lesson, starting at verse 4 of Acts chapter 1. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which, saith he, you have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days hence. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power, but you shall receive power. After that the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, you men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the Mount called Olivet, which is about a Sabbath day's journey from Jerusalem. Now I've read these verses to pick up the connection of what we had in our last lesson. In verses 4 to 8, we have our Lord's final words, uh, and he gives to them the, the promise of the Spirit of God. They were to wait until 
the Spirit of God came upon them. What they wanted was that the kingdom should be established. Wilt thou at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? It's not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power, but you shall receive power, the Spirit of God coming upon you. So you have here uh, the promise of the Father, the coming of the Spirit of God. Now, I might suggest in this connection, as you read through the book of Acts, you will notice that the moving of the Spirit of God is connected with witnessing. Uh, the, the end of chapter 24 of Luke, and the beginning of the book of Acts, you notice that the Spirit of God is given to these men to witness concerning our Savior. And they were commissioned in verse 8. While they were waiting for the Lord to establish his kingdom, if I can use these words, the Lord said, listen, I'm going to give you a, a great responsibility. I want you to be my mouthpieces. I want you to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the earth. We are told there who are to do the witnessing, his people. And if we, his people, do not witness, my friend, the world will never hear. They were told how to witness in the power of the Holy Spirit. They were told of whom they were to witness. The center of their witness must be the Savior, not some organization, not some experience, but the person of our Savior. And then they were to, to, to witness in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth. In other words, as long, can I put it this way, as long as there are unsaved people in the world, we still have our responsibility of witnessing to those people. And I say very frankly, kindly, and yet with a heart that's heavy sometime, after having had the Word of God, the gospel of God's wonderful grace, for over 1,900 years, there are still hundreds of millions of people in the world today who have never heard of the Savior. How glad I am then for this media of, of, of radio, and uh, even sometimes in the jungles of South America or in the forests of Africa, amazing thing that people are beginning to get radios, and they can hear the Word of God. We thank the Lord that here at the end time, just before the Lord comes, it just seems that He's opened the door, He's given men the ability uh, by radio, by television, by satellite, to send forth the Word of God to every part of the world. And I'll tell you, when the Church of Jesus Christ is completed, He's going to return. He's going to build up the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down. Well, that's what God's doing today. In the book of Acts, chapter 15, 13 through 18, where you have that amazing little passage, 13 to 18 of Acts 15, where James is speaking of how uh, God at the first did visit the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name, and after this he's going to return and build the tabernacle of David, and so on. Known unto God are all his works from the beginning of creation. You see, it's a wonderful thing to know that God is still on the throne, working all things out after the counsel of his own will. But the marvelous thing is, he's honored men and women like you and me. And our job is to bear testimony to the Savior. You see, well, Mr. Mitchell, I find it very, very difficult. Yes, that's true. I think all of us do that. To witness for the Savior, 
That's why the Spirit of God has come to indwell his people for the purpose of bearing testimony to the Savior who gave himself to redeem men out of all iniquity and purify unto himself a people for his possession. Now in verses 9, 10, and 11, and 12, we have here the, the ascension of our Savior. And may I say, friends, the ascension of our Lord is just as real to the disciples as his resurrection. You know, sometimes it's a rare thing to hear anybody speak on the, on the ascension of our Savior. But here it is in verse 9. When he had spoken these things while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, You men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, this same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. I say again, this is just as real as the cross. These disciples had seen him crucified. They knew he had been buried in a tomb. They knew also that he was risen from the dead. But now what? Now he's going up into heaven. He's going back home. May I suggest at this time, where Isaiah chapter 9, unto us, a child is born, unto us a son is given. The son was sent into the world on a mission. He was commissioned by his father to do a job here. He took his place in the human race, became a man in the midst of men, to deliver men, to redeem men from the power of sin. And he could say in John 17, Father, I have finished the work which you gave me to do. In John chapter 19, on the cross he cried out, it is finished. He finished the work of redemption. There was only one thing left. That was to go back to his father. He spoke of this to his disciples, you remember, in the upper room. And when you come to the book of Hebrews, four times in the book of Hebrews I read, in chapter 1, verse 3, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Chapter 8, verse 1, He's passed through into the heavens. He's the one who sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high in the heavens. In chapter 10, verse 12, this man by one sacrifice for sins forever sat down at the right hand of God. In chapter 12, verse 2, uh, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despised the shame, and is sat down at the right hand of God. I tell you, friend, the ascension of our Savior must have moved these men very greatly, for they went back to Jerusalem in simple obedience and waited for the coming of the promise of the Spirit. May I, may I just say a few words about this question of the ascension of our Lord? He must be enthroned before they can receive the Spirit of God. I remember in John chapter 7, our Lord said at the last great day of the feast, which was a feast of tabernacles, um, the only feast of eight days, our Lord stood up that last day and said, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. 
He that believeth on me, as the Scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. This spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. The Spirit was not yet given, because he was not yet glorified. Now, you remember in John's Gospel, in chapter 14, verse 17, you have where our Savior speaks of the same thing. And by the way, John, you remember, speaks of the indwelling Spirit. When you come to Luke's Gospel, Luke doesn't deal with the indwelling Spirit. He deals with being filled with the Spirit. I just say that in passing. To me, it's the most marvelous thing. The Bible is the most marvelous book ever written. Of course, it came from God's hands. It was the Spirit of God. These men of old speak as they were moved upon by the Spirit of God. And in John's Gospel, John is dealing with life. Hence, he talks about the indwelling Spirit. Luke is talking about witnessing. Hence, he talks about, he talks about being filled with the Spirit, both in the Gospel through Luke and the book of Acts. But you have here this question in John's Gospel where our Lord speaks of this in John chapter 14, verse 16. I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth. And he goes on to speak of the fact the world knows nothing about the Spirit of God. It seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But you know him. He dwelleth with you, and he shall be in you. I will not leave you orphans, I will come to you, and you remember in that day you shall know I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. In chapter 15, 26, where we read, But when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. You have it in chapter 16, verse 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is expedient for you that I go away. If I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you, but if I depart, I will send him unto you. You see, friend, you have here, there could be no reception, the indwelling of the Spirit of God, until our Lord was ascended and enthroned, and he would send the Spirit of God. He would speak to his Father, and he would send the Spirit. You remember in Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 to 16, where it speaks of the fact that we have a high priest who was entered into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. He's entered into the heavens. Therefore, let us come with boldness to the throne of grace, and there obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Why? Because he is on the throne. To me, it's the most, one of the most marvelous truths in all the Bible. There's a real man in heaven. This same Jesus, with whom they had walked and worked and served. Where do I find him? On the throne of God. They'd seen him go back into heaven. This is no pipe dream, my friend. Our Savior is going to carry on his work from on high. From the throne of God, he's going to work by the Spirit that's dwelling in them, you see. The results of his work will be on earth. The source of his power will be on high. That's why when you read the book through, uh, there were healing, 
He delivered them. He encouraged them. He empowered them, you see. You take, for example, take this Roman, uh, Hebrews 8.1. We have such an high priest who was set on the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens. My word of scripture. One who was touched with the feeling of our infirmities. My Christian friend, aren't you glad that you have a savior who has passed through into the heavens? You have someone representing you in the presence of God? I think it's the most marvelous thing. The most marvelous thing today in all God's universe. There's a man, God's right hand. Man wasn't made for heaven. Man was made for the earth. And man corrupted the earth. So God is going to take from the earth a people redeemed from sin, cleansed from sin, freed from the power and fear of death, freed and delivered from the powers of hell, and he's going to fit them and cover them with all the righteousness of Christ. They're going to stand in his presence through eternity. You say, ah, that's wonderful. Yes, but I'm still on earth in frailty. See, this is you get down to the book of Hebrews. Why should Jesus Christ be on the throne today, pleading your cause and my cause? Because he knows what we are, you see. He's gone back into the heavens. As I say in the book of Hebrews, which deals with the present ministry of Christ, to me the most marvelous thing, we've got a man in the, in the glory on the throne of God who's touched with the feeling of my infirmities and your infirmities. He's able to succor those that are tested and tried. How wonderful to know. Do you know that, my friend? Jesus has passed through into the heavens. And I say again, the ascension of our Savior is just as real, just as real to these disciples as his death and resurrection. I sometimes think that we Christians today in the evangelical world have forgotten that our Lord is on the throne. We believe he died to put away our sins. We believe he was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, guaranteeing us that salvation which he purchased on the cross. And then we preach the coming of the Lord back to the earth to set up a kingdom, first of all, to take his church unto himself, transform them, make them immortal, and then to return to the earth to reign as Lord of lords and King of kings. And we love to speak of the fact that the Lord's coming is very, very near. And yet somehow or another, somewhere along the way, we have forgotten that our Savior is on the throne doing a special work. You and I are still down here in frailty. We need someone to plead our cause. We need someone to strengthen us. We need someone to whom we can go in all our frailty, in all our weakness. So I want you to consider, as you read this precious book, not only the death of Christ, not only the resurrection of Christ, but the present ministry of Christ. He's on the throne, a real man in heaven. Please mark it. The angel said, this same Jesus who was taken up into heaven. Not a spirit, but a real man. I remember a preacher saying here in Portland, if you think that I believe that there's a real man in heaven, get the idea out of your head. Well, my friend, if I haven't got a man in heaven, who's going to plead my cause? I want someone who understands me. 
one who is sympathetic, one who is sufficient for my every need, one who is sufficient for your need. Friend, I'm so glad he not only died, he not only was buried and raised again from the dead, but I'm so glad I've got a man in heaven touched with the feeling of my infirmities. As Hebrews chapter 2 says, verse 18, he's able to succor them that are tested. I'm sure I'm talking to some today. And you're going through tests and trials and, and possibly you're discouraged because of failure. You become introspective and, and you're moody and you're down. And you, sometimes you're mad at yourself. But listen, friend, remember you've got a Savior in heaven who's touched with the feeling of your infirmities. He's praying for you according to the will of God. He is sufficient for your need. He's a real man. He understands. And thank God he cares. Now you think about that today. And talk to him about it. He's sufficient for your need and my need today. And the Lord bless you for his name's sake. Great is thy Thank you for listening to the Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study today. Write to us with your comments and your prayer requests to the Unchanging Word, P.O. Box 398, Dallas, Oregon, 97338. And so until next time, this is the Unchanging Word Radio Broadcast. Life begins at Calvary.